episode two of the Surrey Today podcast hosted by Surrey604.com. Today we have our guest, Imad Ahmed from Olive Branch Ranch. He runs a farm. He's talking about urban farming techniques all the way down to more traditional farming techniques, uh, ranging from raising little plants in your backyard all the way to raising dozens and dozens of livestock. And the reason we figured this um, topic would be um, relevant is since a lot of people are stuck at home, um, seems like there is an uptick in people kind of spending more time in their backyards, um, doing gardening, growing plants, growing their own food. And um, also, you know, given COVID, what's kind of happened over the few months, I think there's a, a broader discussion to be had uh, with regards to what a pandemic means for food supplies, global supply chains, and why, you know, going local can be of value to communities. So with that said, um, why don't we go ahead and jump into things. Uh, I, I call Imad and Moody because it's like one of my best friends from back in the day, and that's what I call him. So I'm going to be calling yeah, him man. Moody. Um, just so folks kind of keep track. But Moody, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into farming, um, you know, your personal background, your family's background and all that. Yeah, Cam, appreciate it. Like you said, uh, we've known each other since we've been in diapers. So you're, we've known each other for a long, long time. So it's good, good to be with you guys. Uh, appreciate you having me on to talk about something that I love. So yeah, uh, personal background. Um, you and I grew up in a, in a small town. We weren't, our parents didn't farm or anything. We just grew up in urban and suburban America. So, you know, we didn't grow up doing any of this stuff. Um, but like a lot of, uh, you know, second generation, our parents immigrated from another country, right? And uh, uh, they, they immigrated from more of a rural sort of farming community. So my, my dad had had experience growing up on the farm and whatnot and and they did a lot of things with animals so it was always kind of in the periphery in the background um but basically how it all got started was a few years ago i'm sitting there and i've always been into fitness you've been into fitness we grew up outside essentially we we were spending in the summertime we just played outside all day every day all sorts of sports always in a park you know our parents always had us outside so we continued that in our 20s. You know, we were active. We still work out. We still enjoy that. But uh, when, you, when you're active and you, you start, you know, thinking about performance, you start thinking about, you know, recovery and food and what am I putting in my body, you know, I started thinking like, okay, like what about the quality of this food? Like, you know, just I started thinking a little bit more about that a few years ago. I was getting a little bit more mature, realizing that it, eating fast food after working out is probably not the best idea, right? Yeah. So, yeah, one day I was just bored and I was like, you know, what would be really cool if I had a few chickens in the backyard and I could just get my own eggs. <laughs> it's just super random. So I'm like, okay, let me let me hop on Craigslist and find like a crazy chicken lady. And if anybody has ever met one of those, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Like a crazy chicken lady on on Craigslist that has a bunch of chickens and it's there. It's, you know, it's her pet or whatever. So I jump on Craigslist. And like 30 minutes south in, uh, in another town, um, I, uh, I meet up with a lady and I buy three chickens. And I don't know anything about chickens, right? 
So I start scouring YouTube of, okay, how to keep some backyard chickens. So I'm like, oh, contact my dad. I'm like, hey, we need to make a chicken coop. <laughs> we, I'm going to pick up three chickens. So we picked up these three chickens. We made a chicken coop in the backyard and then uh, put them there, let them free range around in the backyard. And then we start getting these eggs. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. Tastes nothing like eggs in the store. Um, it's just kind of cool. You could throw, you know, it's a cool relationship. You throw, you throw them scraps and you throw them grass clippings and they give you fresh eggs in return. And you're like, well, this is pretty cool. And like, I'm not like saving a bunch of money or anything, but I have a fresh, you know, sort of supply of something that's good quality. So that's basically how it started. And then, uh, I started rolling and, and, you know, learning more about, you know, gardening and whatnot and started really liking the idea and started, you know, diving deep into permaculture and diving deep into farming and realizing like, whoa, like growing your own food, which is a pretty cool quote, but like growing your own food is like printing your own money. I mean, you can, you know, you can minimize your grocery bill. Um, your health is better. Health is wealth. You know, if you feel good, you can work longer, you could work better, you could work, you know, you have better quality of work, better quality of life. So I started, you know, going down the rabbit hole. It all started with three chickens in the backyard. So then in 2017, uh, we got a farm, little farm, five acres, and started doing that. And then it kind of just grew from there. So um, just for, for the Canadian listeners, uh, in the U.S., a popular, like, online bulletin board is uh, Craigslist. It's like an online classified. So in Canada, they have something equivalent it's called Kijiji. So it's kind of... For Canadian listeners, obviously, this is a Sorry Today podcast. It's uh, Kijiji would be your place. Um, but beyond that, can you? So, those three chickens, this is in like your parents' backyard, right? Yeah, this was in my parents' backyard like five years ago. Yeah, so this is not like, um, this is a pretty like modest size backyard. Like, it's not oh, like, yeah. like anybody, could, big. most people with a backyard could do this. Oh yeah, almost everybody could. And uh, check your local laws and whatnot. But um, here in the U.S. anyway, um, you can have like up to, I mean, every state and municipality and whatnot would be different. But uh, every, almost every uh, area allows you to have like up to like five or six chickens okay. in your backyard. What was and, the, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they can't be roosters because you don't want to annoy your neighbors. But if you, you can get hens, uh, you know, up to five or six hens, keep them in your backyard and get a fresh supply of eggs almost daily. So like, uh, what, what was the startup cost for like those three chickens? <laughs> I think, I think she charged me like $10 a, uh, a hen, which oh, would okay. be reasonable. 10, 15, 20. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, you, you spend $20 on a movie ticket. Like it's not that big of a deal if you spend yeah. like, you know, 30 to $60 on a, and if you're handy, you could build the chicken coop yourself. If you want, you could buy it, buy like a prefabricated sort of chicken coop. But if you're handy, you could just get some scrap supplies, get some, uh, you know, scrap wood or pallets, and you could build a little chicken, little chicken coop in your backyard in a, in a day or so. And then you could just stick them in there. Cool. So you started with a few chickens, and this is in 2017. And how did things evolve from there? You got, you ended up getting a five acre uh, plot of land. <clears throat> Uh, I'm not plot of land, five acre farm, to mm -hmm. correct myself. Um, and this is like pretty rural. It's not even in an in incorporated part of like a county or anything, right? Right, correct. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, 
you know, certain people have certain dietary restrictions. There's kosher, there's halal, there's all sorts of, you know, dietary restrictions. And, uh, you know, we kind of try to keep with what, you know, something clean, something that we, you know, deem good to eat. But oftentimes you would go get these, uh, these types of, um, these types of meat and we can go in and describe what, what they, what all of those, that wording means, but you would say like, like the quality and then the lack of availability and then the price, it kind of just kept like nagging me. Like, why is it so hard to find something that's pretty clean, something that's, you know, kosher, halal, something that, you know, you trust, like, why is it so hard? And then, and then when you do find it, why is it so expensive? And then, it's not up to the standards that it's supposed to be like, it's like a racket. So I kind of thought like, you know what I want to, it was, it wasn't, I wasn't thinking about a business or anything. I wasn't thinking about like, okay, how can I, you know, serve my community? And uh, like, I was just doing out of like selfish kind of self-interest. Like uh, how can I get good, good food for me and my family have access to it like year round. So then it kind of just, you know, the goal was to, to supply us and our family with good food all, all year round. But uh, it ended up being like, oh, you know, a family friend would contact me and say, hey, do you have any goat? And I'm like, I don't raise goats, but maybe I should. Or do you have any chicken? No, I don't, but maybe I should look into that. And then it kind of just started spiraling. And, you know, people at work were like, hey, do you sell your eggs? And I'm like, uh, no, I don't have that many chickens. And then, I, you know, I started growing and each year and each month sort of kind of scaling up. Um, and just for, for listeners who aren't kind of familiar with the different terms we're, we're kind of using here. So halal is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Woody, I'm okay, not yeah. exactly like. No, you're good. I'm not a religious. But halal is essentially within the context of food. It's basically um, food that is allowed to be eaten. Uh, and for me, right. based on a certain type of meat, you can't just eat any kind of meat. Past right. meat gets slaughtered a certain way, and you're yeah. supposed to do a recitation of um, it's like I, I think like a, a prayer, like a quick prayer yeah. before you slaughter the animal. And right, right. Uh, kosher. So the- I don't know a ton about because I don't know a ton about like the Jewish faith, but from what I understand, it's pretty much like the Jewish version of halal. It almost exactly yeah. similar. So basically, basically, what the word halal means is permissible in Arabic, and uh, Muslims use that to say like, okay, is this is this type of meat permissible or is it not? So the the basic like there's a lot of misconceptions about halal and, and kosher, but basically it just means permissible, permissible or not. So halal means permissible. Um, so under the cat, under the category of halal, um, and we won't dive too, you know, too deep into it, but, um, basically, uh, it, the animal has to be healthy. You have to ha- give it a good life. It can't be sick or injured. Like who would want to eat a sick or injured animal? It can't be like abused in any way. And then it basically just has to, you can't, you know, torture it. Like, you know, people that aren't doing this, but you don't want to torture it when you kill it. It has to be, you know, sharp knife that dispatches and harvests the animal, you know. So that's what the, the whole kosher and halal tradition um, is about, is just, you know, giving the animal a good life and respecting it when it's about to be harvested and making sure it's clean, it's healthy, and uh, it's permissible to eat. So there are a lot of animals that are halal and there are a few that are not in, you know, 
the Jewish and Muslim uh, faith traditions. So we won't we don't need to dive deep into that unless people and you want to you know check that out more. But that's the basic um, understanding of it. It just means permissible or not. Got it. Yeah. So why don't we uh, kind of dive into if you think about like um, your progression from chickens to livestock? Did you kind of start with sheep first, or did you start with um, goats first? Like, what was that progression like? What did you kind of learn as you went experiment with each type of animal? Kind of, why did you choose to go from one animal to another? Yeah. Well, I think like uh, a lot of Southeast Asians and a lot of people from the Middle East, you know, they. I mean, goat is the world meat. Outside of America, sheep and goat is the world meat. That's what most people eat in Africa and in India and in Asia and the Middle East. I mean, it's it's pretty universal. Almost all cultures eat it and are you know familiar with it or or farm it at some point in time. So that in America, in Canada, it's growing. Like in places in Tor- like Toronto, in places like you know BC, it's very very popular. You know, with the Southeast Asian community. So, you know, basically there's, there was a, there's a lack of that around here. So my, my family, we would always want lamb, you know, yearly or semi-yearly, but then it was really not available. You'd have to call a guy, you'd have to meet a farmer, you'd have to, you know, check with the farmer well in advance and, you know, kind of keep bugging them. Do they have it? Do they not? You have to drive far distances. They wouldn't really have what you want. So we were like, oh, let's just get a few lambs for our our family so we're able to have it when we want it so we'll raise those and you know we'll go from there um so i started with you know just a few lambs and then it just seemed to like keep growing and growing and then you know i would i would go to other farmers and get lambs that were you know pretty mature and ready to you know to harvest and to cut up and eat and it kind of just every time i would get them i would you know i would sell them to some family or friends and then they would tell their family and friends and it kind of just kept escalating and escalating so it just kind of grew very organically very naturally and then you know the phone just kept kind of ringing i mean it just uh so we started with some lambs and we just kind of kept growing from there so now we're probably so now we breed our own uh, our breed we breed our own stock now so we have babies and you know uh do that whole thing and uh we've expanded we, you know we had cows so over this last summer we still have a few uh now um but yeah we went to we went to sheep goats meat birds and then we have uh chickens just for eggs and then uh in the in certain times of the year in the spring and summer we do chickens for meat we do uh, turkeys seasonally so we kind of expanded a bit okay so um you know one common thing is you know Sometimes families, you know, regardless of the other background or the occasion, why they need meats, right? Um, mm-hmm. They don't necessarily want to buy like an entire cow, right? So, so like, how, how do typically how do people typically solve for that? How, how does your farm solve for that? So, um, your your dad was a chef. I don't know if many people know that, <laughs> but um, <laughs> when we were little, we would your family and our family we would split a cow. Yeah. Or we'd get another family and we'd do like, you know, you take a quarter, you take a quarter, you take a quarter, like kind of thing. Yeah. So um basically what we do is we'll we'll get uh we have you know what we have, we have the cows that we have, and then we will, you know, I'll kind of know like okay, Cam wants one, 
so-and-so wants one, Brian wants half a cow. And then uh, I'll kind of match it up like that. Like if, you know, if a family doesn't want an entire cow, which is a lot of meat or a half, they can get, you know, a quarter, a half or a full cow. And uh, it's, it's just like so much cheaper than it is in the store. It brings the price down so much. And then uh, the quality is just so much better. I mean, when it's fresh and it's local and it's, you know, raised locally. And, you know, we have a pretty close relationship with everybody that buys meat from us. Like they know us. We have an open door policy. Anytime people are like, hey, can we come check out the farm? You know, we'll schedule it in and people can come check it out so they can see exactly how, you know, things are being treated, how things look, how things smell. I mean, that's a really important thing. I mean, people are not going to go to a factory farm and enjoy their uh, tour of the factory farm. There's a reason why they don't do tours at factory farms because it smells, looks, and is horrible. So, yeah, so, that's um, kind of how we solve for that. <clears throat> got it. What, what, so at a higher level, like thinking about, I think with COVID and the pandemic, that's put a lot of things into perspective, uh, oh, hopefully yeah. for a lot of people. And yeah, absolutely. I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, how do, how do you think that is kind of exposing kind of inefficiencies uh, and gaps in like the world's food supply, especially like in, like we're going to focus on like the developed world, like North, uh, specifically like U.S., Canada, North America. What do you think that means for, for the future of, of food supply? Because, you know, if you're listening to the professionals that are researching COVID, the general general consensus is there's a bigger uh, spike that's likely to happen in the future with COVID. And even after COVID is solved for, it's very foreseeable for an even worse pandemic that's not COVID to hit society. Yeah, I mean, uh, this, this epidemic was uh, a big eye-opener for a lot of people. Um, you know, uh, I'm involved in a little bit of real estate as well. And, you know, you, you saw this kind of flocking from people that lived in the city to like wanting to get out of the city, wanting to, you know, I mean, if you, if you go on to these kind of hatchery websites where you can buy a few chickens and they can send them to you or deliver them to you, uh, it just kind of has exploded. The, the homestead movement, it's been gaining a lot of um, popularity over the last few years, just in general. But, um, you know, people are becoming more and more uh, engaged with, uh, you know, eating right, eating clean. I mean, 10, 20 years ago, no one really, you know, organic or grass fed. These weren't really uh, terms that everybody knew and everybody collectively used all the time. But now it's, uh, you know, it's becoming a, a huge thing. And, um, you know, this, this whole entire, you know, COVID problem has really just accelerated that I know people want to know where their food's coming from they want to know that it's healthy and uh you know just going to the supermarket and seeing the the things that were out of stock you know people hoarding things people not you know people thought okay I really need to kind of you know if I have the ability to I need to really kind of meet the farmer or meet a, a family that's doing this or try to do a little bit of of it on my own I mean of course not everyone's going to be able to do what I do and, and that's fine and that's okay. And, you know, 99% of people get, you know, their food from the supermarket and that's all right. But it's just about voting with your dollar. Like, okay, like I want to spend money on products that I trust and I know and that I, you know, support the people I want to support. Sure. That makes sense. Well, um, the other question I had is, um, 
and this is kind of off topic question. What do you think about like the the growth of, of the I guess you could say like the non meat market? Um, you got it's like basically insect based uh, mm -hmm. flour, like cricket flour. Um, yeah, that's the only example uh, I can think of. But the idea is yeah, yeah. to like reduce soy burgers and things like that. Yeah, sustainability and things like that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of going meatless. So, I mean, my my motto is kind of just eat less meat, but eat better meat. I don't think it's natural to eat meat every single day, three times a day or anything like that. Like have your morning sausage and then have a burger and then have a steak at night. Like that's a little bit overkill. And that's, you know, we should balance everything and too much of a good thing is not a good thing sometimes. So, uh, you know, that has kind of fueled this, uh, advent of, you know, all this type of veganism and vegetarianism and which is, is good. Um, if, if, you know, I, I have special dietary restrictions, you know, I, I like to eat a certain way, so I would never knock anyone for eating a certain way. But when you look at like sort of lab created meat or this beyond meat or this stuff and without getting too political or diving too deep, it kind of is just like, like, I personally don't want to eat that way. Like I, I want to eat, like I enjoy meat, but I enjoy ethical meat. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in like lab meat or, you know, cricket protein or, you know, soy burgers and, and stuff like that. I, I personally, I don't, but I, I think it's good that uh, there are options for people that want to do that. But um, me personally, I, I don't see like the, like the health benefits of, you know, eating lab created things. I want to, I want to go as natural as possible. So whether sure. that be natural fruits and vegetables or natural meat and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that's uh, kind of the answer to that. Is um, that and I'll go for it. Yeah. I just, yeah. And I was going to say that I just don't want to, uh, rely on like a lab to create, <laughs> create my food products. I mean, this whole COVID thing has, has exposed kind of the supply chains of things, um, whether it be meat or non-meat. You see a lot of, you know, big industrial meat plants shutting down because they've had tons of COVID exposure here in the U.S. or in Canada. I mean, it's kind of like these these big factory farms and these big uh, meat processing plants are kind of breeding grounds for viruses and things like that. I mean, a lot of viruses and, and, uh, and the problems from animal agriculture have come from big, large-scale operations, whether it be the whole mad cow disease thing in the in the 90s in england or 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 covid or however else other other things arise it, it, it arises with you know a, a lot of big major problems with climate change and the way we produce food so the way we produce food is this, is uh is fundamentally it needs to change because that's why we're running into problems and a lot of you know uh, business and political leaders are seeing that okay this is costing us way more like uh, cheap. I always say cheap food is, is an illusion. You know, you go to McDonald's or something and you get some chicken and it's extremely cheap. And you're like, like I know what goes into producing chicken or what goes into, you know, making chicken and producing it. And I'm like, there's just no way. So, you know, so that, that price is, you're going to pay the price either in your health, either in the welfare of the animal or the environment. So, Kind of cheap food is an illusion and we, we need to start looking at like okay how how can we produce uh how can we produce things more ethically sure yeah i mean overall it sounds like kind of going back to like the the rise of like meatless industry the main objection is 
at least the examples I provided, there's still a big component of processing. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, of those of those foods, which is exactly why you know there's an objection there, which makes sense. So I, from a, a more practical standpoint, like if you know I want to start growing something that I can eat, and I live in an apartment without a backyard, you know what are some things I can experiment with? Um, and then as well for people who do have backyards, you know what are some good uh, good I guess getting started tips yeah i i would uh yeah for sure i think uh that that's awesome that people want to get you know i I, the whole urban garden movement or you know uh, rooftop gardens they're pretty cool um basically i think the best thing to do is to try to get started with some herbs in your window if you have an apartment or you know herbs and and whatnot they also make these cool planters where you could do like uh they're like salad planters on and you could put them outside on your deck or you know, if you have any sort of sunlight, but if you have like a backyard or any sort of small space in your backyard, I, re- I really kind of just uh, advise like planting a, f- a few fruit trees that would do well in your area. And you can check that, like just getting a few blueberry bushes and putting them in your backyard or getting a fruit tree or two. And that's kind of the most simple thing to do because you don't have to, you know, you plant it and then every single year it gets bigger and you get more berries or more uh, you know, some apples and it's just kind of a nice little intro and start into it. And then once you do that, you could, you know, try to branch out and plant maybe if you have a backyard or a rooftop garden, you could try to start planting some herbs that you really don't need to tend to. Like if you plant some rosemary, it's just kind of nice. You just clip it and, um, you know, throw it in on a stake or throw it in, in something or, or mint is another really easy one that grows like a weed and that's super hard to kill. So if you make a little plant box and you throw some mint in there and you like mint tea or you like to, you know, make a mojito something or something, you know, it's pretty cool to, to have a uh, fresh mint. So, yeah, I mean, just kind of starting small, um, planting some herbs in your back garden or backyard, planting some fruit trees or bushes is an awesome way to go. So, like, um, what are some specific herbs you, you you personally think are, I guess, you like, that you think people might like to just plant on the, on the windowsill? Because I think you can just drop some to, for some herbs just into a, a cup of water, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, basil, oregano, um, uh, thyme, uh, rosemary, you, you know, you could plant some of those outside or, or on a windowsill. Um, it just you know you can make some fresh pesto you can it, you know you could put them in some some dishes that are it's really yeah those those herbs are pretty awesome herbs are easy you just put them in the in the ground and they kind of just uh as long as you don't neglect them too much with the watering it's a, a great start to just have something that's you know fresh right in your back garden or back area with really minimal space yeah i had um tried just with like green onion and you just like drop mm-hmm. it in in a cup of water and and then even have it like in a window so just like in the kitchen where there's no natural light well no windows at least and uh-huh. like in a week it was just like a bunch of other green onions were growing and then i never actually got around to eating them so they died uh-huh. <laughs> so, so i mean they grew pretty fast um yeah not, not that i'm proud of that but uh and then uh, if people wanted to uh, start looking into, you know, getting their own eggs, like actually like growing, not, I shouldn't say growing their own eggs, but let's yeah, say producing, growing, harvesting, yeah. harvesting yeah. their own eggs. Um, you know, what's, 
what's the right way to go about that? Because that seems like the natural progression if, you, if people want to go from plants to non-plants, right? Yeah, the egg is an awesome thing because, I mean, it's like the most incredible food. You can make it a million different ways. Uh, babies can have it. Old people can have it. Young people can have it. So many, every culture has it. It's Eggs are like the ba the best and basic entry to everything. And you don't have to, you know, you could have minimal space in the backyard and do it. They're fun to keep if you have kids. You know, it's it's kind of like the perfect sort of entry. And, you know, fresh eggs it would be great. And if you don't eat them every day, you could stack them up and get a dozen and you could give them away to a family or a friend or whatnot. So it makes it pretty cool. But um, if people are interested in like harvesting or getting or gathering their own eggs, they could just uh, sort of just do a little education, you know, go to YouTube, type in, you know, backyard chickens or get a book about it, read a little bit about it. I mean, it is a commitment. It's not, it's not as nearly as intensive as like a dog or a cat or or anything else but if you if you go away for a weekend you'd be fine filling up the feeder and filling up the water with two or three chickens and you'd be totally fine if you're gone for longer than that you could you know talk to a neighbor or a friend and they could help you out with watching them but super easy uh just sort of do do a little research about your locality and see like what do they allow what do they not allow and then um kind of you know go to like a, a home or garden store see if they can if they sell chickens to you or if they have, if they can send them to you or whatnot. And, you know, it's it just basically food and water and shelter. So, you know, figure out a shelter that you could build or buy and get a water, get a feeder. And it's just an awesome way to, you know, take your chicken, you know, kitchen scraps and things that, you you, you know, you were, you were about to throw away or compost and give them to your chickens. I mean, awesome. And then you're not wasting, you don't feel bad about wasting food if, you know, you're your kid doesn't eat his or her crust on their sandwich. You can just throw it to your chickens and, you know, it's just kind of a cool thing to do. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I, I just had one final question. So going back oh, yeah. to mentioning um, if people have backyards, they can like look into planting like uh, fruit bearing trees or bushes. Yeah. So like what typically like in the Pacific Northwest, you know, we're talking about, um, it rains most of the year and when it's yeah. it's really nice for a few months, like, you know, BC, Oregon, Washington. Yeah. What do you think, what have you seen kind of performs, it's get to the biggest bang for your time and energy. I think the biggest bang for your buck is just kind of like berry trees. So like uh, in BC and in Washington and, you know, Oregon, even, you know, you could just buy some blueberry trees, buy some blueberry bushes and plant those, buy a few apple trees, you know, small apple trees and, you know, plant them around your yard, some, you know, in your backyard, front yard and fig trees. That, those are great too. You plant them once and then you kind of just set it and forget it. I mean, when you're buying a farm, the number, the number one, the, the uh, thing that people do most often is they plant fruit trees. Cause that's like the thing that will take the longest to, to grow and get big and, and start to produce. But you know, once it's in the ground, it's perfect. You know, you, you know, it's basically like set it or forget it every single year, year you're going to get you know, some, some yield, which is really cool. So berries, blueberries is a really good one in this climate, in this area. Um, yeah, they're awesome. I mean, I, I like blueberries. You could use them, put them <laughs> in your oatmeal, put them in your smoothie. Um, yeah. It's awesome. It's berry uh, before bushes. we wrap up here, do you have any, um, <clears throat> any, anything you want to share? Um, 
So any anything you want to, you want to basically share before we before we wrap up? Yeah, man. Um, I just really appreciate the uh, the platform to the, you know have a 30, 40 minute conversation. It was really it was really cool to to do that and. Um, you know, I just kind of employ people to start thinking about where they get their food from and developing, you know, a closer relationship with, uh, with maybe people that produce food or people that do real things. You know, it's a, it's a kind of a dying sort of art and it's uh, an awesome one. I mean, I'm a foodie, you're a foodie. I know you enjoy going out to good restaurants and trying good food. And it's, you know, it's something that, you know, everybody eats and it's, you know, uh, culture and food is, you know, some is an awesome thing. And, um, yeah, just to kind of sort of start to dive a little bit deeper of how the food is produced. I mean, nothing is worse than going to like a wedding and everything is amazing and awesome. And then, you know, everything is beautiful. And then you get to the food and you're like, man, but the food was a bummer, you know, or the food <laughs> yeah. didn't taste good or the meat was like this or the meat was like that. So just kind of trying to employ people that, you know, sort of dive deeper and, and uh, you know, vote with your dollar is kind of my motto. I, I really like that, you know because that's how, how change is, uh, is made is, you know, we're, we're the consumer. We are, you know, we hold the power with uh, what we buy and what we eat and what we, what we do. So if we, you know, sort of start looking for better options and, you know, healthier options, more ethical options, then that will force people to produce better food that will force people to treat animals better and whatnot. So, yeah, that's kind of my final, any, any, anyone wants to, to reach out, ask me any questions, um, wants to connect further, they can, you know, hit me up on Instagram. I, I'm sure you probably could share that in the, sure. in the link, in the link to the video or whatnot. So, yeah, yeah. I will drop the link for DMs. I'll also drop uh, the link to your, to your uh, ranch's website, the Olive, uh, Olive Ranch Ranch. Yeah, for sure, man. how to say it. And uh, yeah. if people, I'm sure if they have questions on just, you know, agriculture, and uh growing anything really that's legal at least they can, yeah. <laughs> they can reach out to you so awesome. for sure right. yeah man thank i had you. an awesome time talking with you guys today yeah man you too thank you yeah for sure have a good day you as well thank you